This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Ukraine farmer Case Hausingen. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. America's sweetest industry creates jobs and provides a sustainably produced food ingredient. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Ukraine farmer Case Hausinga next. America's sugar farming families and workers pride themselves on making sure Americans always have reliable access to this affordable and essential ingredient. U.S. sugar industry is a job creator and economic driver in rural and urban communities across this great nation, supporting more than 151,000 jobs and contributing more than $23 billion to the economy each year. America's sweetest industry is supported by a sugar policy that costs taxpayers nothing. Learn more about how a strong U.S. sugar policy supports a sustainable and efficient food supply chain by visiting sugaralliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. In the 20 years Case Housinga's family has spent farming in central Ukraine, they've seen tremendous increases in both planted area and production per hectare of all crops in their country. Despite nearly constant military conflict since the early 2000s, infrastructure has grown to support the increase in productivity, not only to feed the people of Ukraine, but to become a major exporter from the Black Sea region. Kay's Housinga says the constant challenge of weather, pests, and disease is nothing compared to the obstacle of the Russian invasion. I was driving through Washington, D.C., and, and the Russians bombed Kiev, and I got uh, videos from friends in Kiev where civilian housings, uh, multi-level buildings were bombed, you know, and burning, and was driving with somebody from the Glo- Global Farmer Network in a, t- in a cab through, through Washington and said, well, here, it's the same as here in the capital of the U.S. If this building would be bombed and burned, and burned down, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's really strange, a strange feeling, you know. And uh, and that's re- and that's war. I mean, and uh, I would never have thought that I would end up in a in a country at war. And uh, if you uh, if you have never been there, it's also very difficult to imagine. And now I can imagine, you know, and what my grandparents and and what your grandparents who were defending Europe in the U.S. Uh, in the Second World War have gone through. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. That's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, and uh, but but in the same time, you have to go, go go on. You know, we have 350 people working on our farm. They're dependent on our farm, um, so they need some some uh, stability as well. Um, so you just continue, and 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 for the season which is finishing now. Most of the preparations were already done in, in terms of input, fertilizer and stuff before the war started. So, um, you know, we only had to execute it. So, and, and we are in the middle of nowhere, far, relatively far away from the front line, so we were physically not hit either. But I have friends in the Donbass in the east and in Kherson, which have just been liberated in the south. I mean, they had hard times. And some of those guys, they were captured and tortured by the Russians. Some of them are still missing. You know, so we are still alive and healthy, and so we are lucky, you know. And and those guys and, and the soldiers in the front lines, and they, I mean, they have a hard time. I spoke with farmers here in the U.S. of during the COVID crisis that we experienced, and it was 
we never stopped farming. Livestock was still fed, crops were still raised. Had to go about it differently, but we never stopped farming. And I think that's been an amazing point to, to bring up here is that in the midst of a war, you and your neighboring farmers, your countrymen, didn't stop farming. What has been the influence of Russia on agriculture just from a personal, from a personhood standpoint? There's farmers that drive his tractors on landmines and get exploded. You know, there were guys wearing uh, these vests, these bulletproof vests and helmets on their tractors, you know, uh, uh, to protect them from, from mines or maybe from shelling. But they were still going out into their fields, you know, and that's kind of farmer's nature as well. And and as a farmer, you only have like 30, 35 chances in your lifetime, you know, and um, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. So, oh, it goes wrong today, you start over again tomorrow. No, start over next year. So, uh, and so that also means that you have to grab those that chance, you know, which you are given every year, uh, because if you don't seed, you don't harvest, you don't have any any, any income. And uh, but, but you put a seed in the ground now, you don't know what the yield is going to be, you don't know what the price is going to be, and uh, oh, in one year when you harvest it. I mean, when you plant winter crops, of course. And with, with, with that planting, you hope that the water is over when you harvest it and when you sell it. Because when it is, and you didn't plant, you don't have a yield. So We mused that there might be the fear as a farmer that you would plant a crop, but you wouldn't know if you'd be able to harvest that crop, or if your farm would still be yours after the invasion, or even pray tell crops that were in the bin and in storage if those might be stolen by the invader, much less markets that were cut off because export uh, facilities, the ports were closed. What's been the uh, effect of operating under that cloud? Yeah, so the, in the occupied areas, the Russians stole everything. They just stole everything from the farmers, or they got, or they paid a farmer a little bit, you know, so they could maybe plant something for next year, so they could steal again uh, next year. Um, and that, yeah, that happens. I know. I mean, I know farmers there, and the, who were member of our agricultural council, who, um, who whose products have been stolen, and who in, in machines they were taken away, or guys whose farms have been bombed. You know, there's dead dead cows and dead pigs all over the place. I mean, you've probably seen the pictures, but yeah, I know those guys. And uh, a friend of mine who was in the who was in the south in Kherson, he had winter wheat planted, and uh, it was occupied. And he told his pe- so he could uh, he couldn't harvest it, and he didn't want the Russians to have it. So he burned his own winter wheat field, you know, in order uh, because he couldn't get it out, and he didn't want the Russians to have it. Has infrastructure been damaged? Uh, storage facilities or port facilities or others, have those been spared from the invasion? No. No, no, the things have been damaged. Port facilities partly damaged, uh, but out of the eight ports, Ukraine has eight or nine ports, there's only three open at the moment through this grain corridor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there has been done some damage, but uh, but they, they're still able to work. But yeah, in the, in the east, in the north, in the south, yeah, they've, storage facilities have been bombed. In bridges, of course. Now uh, and yesterday, the Russians were again bombing electricity uh, infrastructure. So I was just talking to my guys. They don't have electricity at the moment. Uh, I'm waiting for an offer for a new header for a combine. He can't send it because he doesn't have electricity. 
uh, internet is slow because of this, you know. So uh, yeah, a lot is damaged, and it, it's hundreds of billions of dollars to uh, needed to to repair this again. So then I think of farmers here in the U.S. and economically we're battling inflation and we've got transportation issues that products aren't getting where we need them uh, on time issues with rail but it's not an invasion uh, by a by another country they have their own conflict but what about availability of seed and fertilizer and parts and diesel and all the other things that you need to function a farm how do you keep this going and is there such a thing as credit available in a wartime? Yeah, well, I've come to ex- appreciate the normal farming uh, challenges, you know, uh, too dry or too hot or too wet or too cheap or too expensive in logistics. You know, that's all uh, part of the part of the game, and that's all normal problems. Uh, but bombs and rockets are not uh, normal problems, you know, and we have those problems, and, and, and people in the free world don't have those problems, so please appreciate the, your, the logistical problems you have, uh, because it's nothing, you know, compared to bombs and rockets. Yeah, concerning inputs, especially in the beginning, I was very afraid of diesel fuel, uh, because like 60% of the diesel came from Russia, 25 or something percent from, uh, from Belarus. 15% came in through the Black Sea, and 15 or 10% something was produced locally. Belarus and Russia didn't deliver anymore, of course. The local production plant was shelled, so it didn't work anymore. So there's no diesel, and they were bombing the storages as well of, of fuel. Uh, but the Ukrainians, they went into Europe. They bought all the fuel trucks they could find and started trucking in fuel from the Baltic states, from Poland, from Romania... Uh, Bulgaria, even Greece. So fuel is not an issue anymore. Uh, How's the price? Price in the beginning tripled. Uh, now it has come down a bit and it's now like double the price which it was before the war started. Fertilizer. For I mean the season which, uh, which is ending now, most of the fertilizer was already there and I think for next year it's going to be a problem. Uh, and it will affect yields because there's no trade in fertilizer farmers don't buy because they have difficulties in selling their uh, uh, products so they don't don't have cash flow, no liquidity and they partly wait and see you know what's uh, what's going to happen but yeah, for next year there will be less fertilizer used and that will affect the yields somehow and parts and, and crop protection that mainly came by truck from from Western Europe or through Western Europe. So that in seeds, I mean, buyer produces them in, in Ukraine and Corteva and others as well. So in, and they come in by truck as well through the West from Hungary or France. Or, so that's that's not so much, you know. If you export corn in a ship of sixty thousand tons, and you know, that's a lot. You know, but a few trucks with seeds, that's overseeable. So I expected those problems to be bigger, but uh, they were they were not as big uh, as I was fr- as I was afraid of. But but export, that's the biggest issue at the moment. So we count on producing crops, selling crops to fund the next crop from a farmer's way of life. So when the ports are closed and you're not able to export to traditional customers, whether it be China or Africa or the other countries that you supply, how has this affected farmers and and 
although only a minuscule amount has gone out of the Odessa ports compared to what would be normal, how has this changed the game to finally have at least a little bit of income? Yeah, uh, we uh, at our farm we were lucky because we sold most of our crop before the war started, uh, and we had only five thousand tons of corn left, and it normally takes like a week to sell or to to transport to Odessa. To the, and now it took us four months to truck it to uh, Romania. Um, but there's other farmers who don't have that possibility. They have still last year's crop in stock. Um, and the far, the further away you are from the ports and, and, and into the northeast of the country, the more expensive transportation becomes. So for them, it's not you can't make it work economically. But there, are, through the government, there are working capital finance programs uh, where you pay a very low interest rate, you know, just to to survive. So that helps. But also input suppliers, um, they help or they try to finance. You know, that's uh, so every dealer has different programs or, or different approaches but in this way everybody tries to support each other and the the black sea grain corridor which was there and then the russians stopped it and they, they then they came back again um that has been really good that helped us export uh, a lot of products uh, because 90 percent of our commodity exports go through the black sea and you can't replace it by railroad or by truck to Poland or to uh, Romania, for example, to neighboring countries. But but sti- so but still, all the farmers and all the traders they did an amazing job. They exported more than expected, but it still goes too slow, you know. And if it keeps if it keeps on going in this pace, with, with the three Odessa of the three Black Sea ports open, two small ports on the Danube River and railroad and uh, trucks, my estimation will be that we can export around 70 percent of their total production. Mm-hmm. And without the Black Sea ports, it will be less than 50%. What other countries have stepped in to help? Have you received help from 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 the U.S.? Have you received help from others for either inputs or other to help you keep farming? Yeah, I think there's been financing support. I mean, not directly to our farm, but through the banks um, from, from European countries and from the United States. Through USAID and, and, and also other organizations, a lot of um, ag bags have been sent to uh, to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So they help relieve uh, storage problems uh, for farmers. I think some combine houses were sent to uh, to Ukraine, also from the United States. The, the, the big uh, chemical uh, uh, producers and dealers they they do they still do financing to 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 farmers. So that has helped, you know. I don't know all the details of these programs, but uh, there's a lot being done to support uh, to support the farmers. What is the resolve of the Ukrainian people against this oppression? Some would see a giant in an attack and cower and run away. What have you seen of your countrymen during this invasion and of their resolve? Yes, yeah, so, so mainly women and children have, of a lot of women and children have left the country, uh, and men are not allowed to leave. Uh, and from our farm, like more 35, 40 guys are in the army, so more than 10% of our workforce. Uh, one of them is hopefully a prisoner of war, and the other is missing in action, so, and he'll probably stay missed in action. Uh, so that's really that's really bad. But 
but they are fighting for our freedom, you know, and for to uh, in the first uh, place protect their country and their land, but with that they also protect the rest of Europe because yeah, these Russians have gone uh, crazy, and um, but with all the support we've got and, and especially military support from the United States, uh, we were able, the Ukrainian army was able to. To to uh, to stop the Russians and even uh, have them back off uh, a bit, you know, and um, and the Ukrainians are prepared to fight for this, you know, and uh, they have the experience. They because we've been in war already since 2014 with the Russians, so now it's escalated a bit, I would say. <laughs> and uh, but they're doing a great job, and uh, yeah, and also thanks to the support from mainly the United States. Europe is a little bit slower, but they always have been slower <laughs> in this. So you know, you need to keep, from here. You need to keep pushing on them, and they will uh, they will join. But uh, that's unfortunately how it works. Uh, and it's and and, the, and but that's also the position of the United States, you know. So uh, if you want it or not, you're in the position. So uh, you have to take the responsibility of this position. I don't know that it helps in this interview, but I do draw a bit of a parallel. 200 plus years ago here in the United States, it was farmers in the field. It was Minutemen who had their fields they were tending and their muskets at the corner of the field, and they were ready to take up arms against uh, the the British when when we wanted freedom. We stood up against them, and now you are standing up against oppression, but you're still fighting for that gift we call freedom. Uh, and amazing that you continue to do your job in the face of economic uh, and, and military oppression. What do you say to the American people? What do you say to the American farmer when you come here and, and you look at this country and see what we have? What do you say to them about what you are experiencing now? Yeah, so, so I mean, we have all read the history books, you know, and read about uh, uh, on school, uh, heard about uh, Second World War and what our parents or grandparents have gone through, you know, in in the, in the Second World War in defending freedom. And it's always kind of, I mean, for the younger people, I guess it's not, it's, it has been so so long time ago, and it's kind of abstract. But now for us and for Ukrainian farmers, it has become real, you know, to, that you have to fight for your freedom and that there are really people dying for your freedom. And if you have lived in freedom for so many years, it's hard to understand. So, uh, but it, it is really out there and there's really people fighting for this and, uh, and they, need, they really need the support from, from everyone who is willing to give the support. So you've been here in the U.S. as well for a period of time. Is there anything you'd like to have to take back home to make farming easier for you there? Yeah, well, the only long-term sustainable solution is having the Russians leave Ukraine. And Ukrainian farmers, we, as our Ukrainian Agricultural uh, Council, uh, there's like 1,100 members. Mm-hmm. They, we together bought already 450 pickup trucks for the army. And a lot of us gave their own pickup trucks to the army. I think I think already close to a thousand pickup trucks were given to the army through our agrarian council. Yeah. So any support to us, to those farmers, uh, you know, to continue doing this and providing the army with pickup trucks so they can they can hit and run, you know, that would be uh, that would be a great uh, great support for us. 
case then you're a part of a global farmer network how is this group of farmers you included how do you see your responsibility now and how are they helping in this situation if nothing more than help others understand yeah, so we are, like, I think there's already more than 200 members from all over the world, uh, from the U.S., from Canada, Mexico, many countries in Latin America, a lot of African members, India, uh, Southeast Asia, Australia, the, Europe. Um, you know, we're all in this app group, and uh, so I shared a lot of uh, messages with them, what was happening in Ukraine, you know, and they spread the word. And they're all very active on social media and towards their governments. So, uh, you know, they were spreading it again uh, to their followers and, and to the people who wanted to listen. Um, and I can't assess how much that did, you know, but I, it probably did something a little bit. But if, if everybody does a little bit, that should be enough. Uh, and they also were a great uh, moral support, you know, they were... And, and some, especially guys in Africa, they have gone through um, through bad things as well, you know. So they, they know what we are going through, and uh, they were also very supportive. I can't imagine the emotional challenge of fighting to maintain your farm, fighting for your freedom, but also as a farmer to know that the grain and the food that you have produced, that there are people starving because they can't receive it. Does that weigh in the back of your mind? Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, in the beginning of the war, I, I went to Europe to talk to journalists and politicians, and I was telling the, them exactly what you're saying. And I found that not a lot of people understood farming and where their food comes from. Um, and I was warning them for rising prices, for starvation, especially of people in Africa and partly in the Middle East. A few months ago, a journalist, I talked to him many times, and he wrote me, I'm, he said this, of I'm so amazed that everything what you predicted in March and April is step by step happening. Yes, but you know, if people that have grown loose from agriculture and where their food comes from, then it's for them difficult to to imagine what uh, what the consequences are of, of what Russia is doing. Case, th- this program is called Open Mic, and you have a, a vast audience inside the Beltway in Washington, but you also have a lot of agriculture uh, producers and agribusiness that are listening all across the United States. We call this Open Mic, and I've asked you a lot of questions, and I thank you for fielding those questions from me, but this is an opportunity for you now to address them with whatever message you would have in closing. And I would also make the point that this is coming at a time in the U.S. where we're supposed to be celebrating Thanksgiving for our freedoms and for food and for safety and security, which is the one thing that you long for. So, Case, this is Open Mic. Uh, So I and and we as Ukrainian farmers have been thankful for all the support we've got already, you know, and uh, I would have never thought I would ask for it, but, you know, we need military support. You know, I know a thing or two about weapons uh, now, and that's not something in the hands of civilians and farmers, but that's the government level. Uh, But, yeah, on the government level, this support has to continue. It, It can't stop. I mean, if you give in to this... Then it's 
the end of the free world. So we are. I really have the feeling that Ukraine is defending the free world, and um, if we give in, that will <coughs> that will be an example for other guys in the world like Putin, and we shouldn't give them that example. So that's on government level, and on, on farmer level or people level. You know, I would say. I mean, people ask me, "What do you? What can we do? How can we help?" And I would say, donate for the pickup trucks uh, through our Ukrainian Agra- Agrarian Council. Um, Save UA is the foundation they use for this um, to help funding uh, for us farmers to buy those pickup trucks in Europe, which we can give to the army. Our thanks to Ukraine farmer Kays Hausiga, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. America's sweetest industry creates jobs and provides a sustainably produced food ingredient. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Downing.